Welcome everybody back to TCR. We are the Celebrity Report, and uh, yeah, say hi, cheer on, Jeet. Hi, So, uh, we're just gonna get straight on to the first stories, you know, and stuff like that. So, so let's do this, ladies and gentlemen. So, the first story comes from The Simpsons. So, they have an episode uh, mocking a Chinese op uh, oppression yanked from Disney Plus. Uh, so. An episode of The Simpsons, uh, The Lasers in Oppression in China, has mysteriously disappeared from Disney Plus in Hong Kong, but there are clues to who, uh, who caused it to be yanked. The episode, uh, titled Gugu Gaipan, uh, aired in 2005, chronicling The Simpsons' trip to China, one of the main plot lines. Marge's sister, Selma, is there to adopt a baby, but the infant is yanked from her arms by a Chinese official. So, in another scene, um... The family visits Tiananmen Square, uh, the legendary scene of protest and violence and uh, uh, defiance. So, a, a sign in the square reads, On this site, in 1989, nothing happened. It's a not-so-subtle dig at China trying to sanitize what really went down. And uh, Tibet is also part of the show, where religious oppression reigns supreme at the hands of Beijing. So, so as, um, as, for, far, as for far as why episode uh, was 86th, Nobody's talking, but the streamer just um just de debuted um Hong Kong, and it seems like there might have been, you know, precondition courtesy of the Chinese government for entry, you know, scrub this episode. But then again, it might have also been Disney Plus. You know, I feel like they want to be good with China and stuff like that. So it could be either of those two. What do you what do you what do you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, it could be either of those two, but you never know. You know, sometimes you know, what's it called? Sometimes they do it like that, they do it the way, or maybe they both agreed that, you know, maybe Disney Plus was like, oh, okay, let's not permit it because China's going to be mad, you know, and then while they were doing that, Hong Kong was thinking this, Hong, not, not Hong Kong, but like China was thinking, um, we got to get this episode off, you know, and then Disney was like, okay, okay, they said they want to get it off, then we're going to get it off, that's what we're going to do and do in the first place, so yeah. All right, so, uh, yeah, that's that, that's some pretty precautions that they may have taken, and we're gonna go into the next story. Trilogy, okay. So Tiger Woods refuses to speak about car crash. So Tiger Woods will not even uh, revisit an infamous car crash with reporters uh, today, saying he believes all of his memories of the wreck and all of the intricate details of it uh, have already been discussed. He quoted, saying, All those answers have been answered in the investigation, said Woods, who addressed the room full of media numbers um, for the first time since the February accident. So, you can read about all of that in the police report. Uh, you could search of the picture of the release port, obviously, some of them are crossed up, because for privacy reasons, obviously, you know, personal stuff. Uh, but you could see the, the police report, uh, the injured witness passengers, and it's been over nine months since Woods suffered a uh, committed it, Opened fractures to his right leg, uh, a horrific February 23rd court crash near Los Angeles. And even though detailed police report has been publicly released, there are still many questions that remain. Tiger, though clearly wanted no part of shedding light on those who are uh, in the podium in the Bahamas at the World Hero Challenge, adding that he does not have flashbacks to the terrifying thing, uh, quoting, I don't know. He said that I'm very lucky in that way. Um, as repeatedly reported, Cops say that the violent crash uh, was all caused by Woods' uh, speed, saying that he believed the golfer was going over 80 miles per hour 
as in a 45-mile-per-hour uh, zone just before the accident. So, like, he was speeding at... Yeah, he was speeding at the scene. So, um... If, I mean, that's true, the police said that, but... Even though he doesn't want to answer any, any things, you know, it would be good to see him, you know, state that himself, you know, just not from the cops. I mean, yeah, but go on with the story. Uh, cops say they do not believe Woods was under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Uh, saying in the report, he exhibited no signs of impairment. They also said there were no open alcohol containers in the vehicle. Uh, no odors and no booze and no prescription pills found at the scene. In the report, cops also say that video showed Tiger moving well and appearing to be completely coherent as he left his hotel minutes before the crash. As for Tiger's initial talk with the first responders, cops say in the dark's woods was knocked unconscious in the crash and did not know how the collision occurred. So what you're saying is that maybe it caused him, maybe it was an accident, maybe something, but he, but he did go fast and, you know, in a 45-mile zone. So that would have been that, but also... You know, he, he doesn't know. I mean, he got knocked out. Like, the man the man got a leg injury, as we as we all heard, uh, close to last year. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't believe that's almost, like, a year ago. That's nine months. A baby could be born in that time. So, yeah, it, it, it's pretty good. Uh, we'll, we're taking a break, and we'll be right back. All right, uh, so we're back, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so Travis Scott... Uh, remember the, uh, the other day, he would say that he offered to pay the burial cost uh, for all the victims and that got uh, killed, you know, in the tragedy. But uh, the nine-year-old's family, you know, uh, they rejected they rejected his offer. And his genuine gesture of wanting to cover burial costs uh, for those killed as a result of the festival are, are turned down. You know, the family of the nine-year-old Ezra, um, Ezra Blount, who was tragically trampled at the concert, and later died from his injuries, is rejecting the rapper's offer to pay for the funeral. This according to their attorney, Bob Hilliard, who just filed a lawsuit against Scott on behalf of the Blounts. So, in a letter obtained by Rolling Stone, Hilliard writes, uh, and I quote, Your client's offer is declined. I have no doubt Mr. Uh, Mr. Scott feels remorse, and his uh, journey ahead will be painful. He must face and hope, hopefully see that he bears some of the uh, responsibility for this tragedy. Blount was laid to rest in a private ceremony last week after he was taken off life support a few weeks following the tragedy in early November. Uh, Ezra became the 10th person in the death pool with hundreds more injured. The rejection came in response to an olive branch extended by Travis. Uh, attorney Daniel Kelly, who uh, sent the Blounts the funeral expense offer on behalf of his client, writing, Travis is committed to doing his part in helping the families who have suffered and begin the, you know, the long process of healing in the Houston community. Toward that end, Travis would like to pay the funeral, uh, the expensive and everything, you know, for Mr. Blount's son. By the way, if Petroli's name sounds familiar, he famously repped uh, Ron Goldman's family in the wrongful death lawsuit against O.J. Simpson. And won a judgment, which Simpson still hasn't fully paid. So that is crazy that he's also, you know, wanting to commemorate, but also, you know, going with Travis Scott. Um, I have my doubts that he feels remorse, but... Then again, they said that he didn't, his lawyers say that, that he didn't know, like, he only knew about it, like, right after, but there's been videos and stuff of people telling him to stop, but, you know, he probably just thought that those were, you know, he, he probably just thought that those were, like, some, like, crazy people and stuff, you know, 
I mean, I agree, but but you you don't you don't know what's really going on in his head. <laughs> you don't really know. Yeah. Well, we'll get on to the next story, ladies and gentlemen. So, Aaron Carter splits with fiance one week after her son's birth. So, Aaron Carter and his fiance are no more. Just a week after they became first-time parents, um, it, it appears more Carter family drama is to blame for the split. Aaron announced he and Melanie Martin calls it quits on early uh, t- uh, morning today, saying there has been a very big lie and my sister communicating with my ex-fiance uh, ruined everything considering she knew what an angel tried to do me in court. Thanks, angel. You ruined my family. God bless. Um, as we've said, Aaron's had serious beef with this family, including his twin sister, Angel, who he's apparently learned he has been in a regular communication with Melanie. So, you could check out the pregnant pictures and stuff like that. And Aaron continues, I have the most convincing, uh, deceiving family, and Melanie has been lying to me the whole time, communicating with my twin sister and the family members who try to put me in prison and who try to get conservatorship on me in court. I'm in shock. And this this whole thing is terrible, you know. What's more, at least according to Aaron, Melanie is leaving California and taking the couple's son with her. He says he's leaving her for Vegas with a friend named Carmen from 90 Day Fiance and accuses Melanie of having the backup plan all along. And Aaron Carter posted on his Instagram of the, of the you know, the, the C-section of his child, of his son. And Aaron and Melanie welcomed Prince Larry Carter last Monday after an emergency c-section and 13 hours of labor you know that just goes to show how things could change like so fast ladies and gentlemen yeah things could change in an instant never forget that because it could happen to you and anybody else uh i want to get on to the next story all right so the next story for today is that el chapel's wife gets three years in prison so el chapel's wife will be seen sometime behind bars but it'll be the way less than her hubby's life sentence. Emma Coronel Espiro was sentenced three years in prison Tuesday for her role in Chapel's drug empire, significantly less than what um, you know many people expected she'd get, which was somewhere in the ballpark uh, of around 10 years, if not more. Of course, she had prosecutors pushing for a fairly uh, intimate uh, sentence on her account of her cooperation and plea deal, but it was unclear the judge would still go easy on her. Uh, seems the court felt uh, her crime she'd played gr- uh, guilty weren't more th- uh, than a few worth, few years in prison. She's also have a four years of supervised release and a forfeiture judgment of one million four hundred ninety nine nine hundred seventy dollars. So representing proceeds and of property gained by Spuro as a result of the crimes, and as we reported, Corona Spuro copped a plea deal earlier this year after getting busted for drug trafficking at the Dulles International Airport in Virginia. She pled guilty to money laundering and the conspiracy to distribute cocaine, meth, heroin, and marijuana. Her attorneys argued, apparently with some uh, you know, success, that El Chapo's spouse was not a ringleader of any sort, nor was she indicatively involved in her husband's operation at a key level. They also claimed that uh, she only participated because she had no other choice. And, you know, meanwhile is living out the rest of the days behind bars. Hopefully, sans any, you know, sans any more escapes. I mean, it would be expected. Like, this is El Chapo's wife. El Chapo's a guy who, who's escaped, escaped many prisons. You know, most recently, the one underground, which was his most famous one until he got caught by the United States government. So, I, I mean, I'm happy that she's going, you know, she... 
I don't think she's telling the truth because she had to. No, that's bullshit, dude. That's fucking bullshit. I, I don't think she's telling the truth. I think she's definitely super involved in it. I don't think she should have should have gotten like 10, 11, 12, more than El Chapo. <laughs> but yeah, she she's definitely involved. There, there's no place where you could say, no, she's not involved. She is. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, we're taking a little break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. So, Virgil Abloh, as uh, you know, he passed away recently on Sunday. And he's honored with his own day in hometown. So, Virgil Abloh is getting a nod from his hometown with nothing less than his own day to recognize and commemorate going forward. Uh, we've learned a rep for the city of Rockford. Um, city officials are dubbing Wednesday, December 1st, as Virgil Abloh Day. There's no real significance in the day itself. We're told other than wanting to pay tribute to Louis Vuitton artistic director as soon as possible. Uh, the rep says Mayor uh, McNarma will make the official announcement tomorrow where he'll read the pro proclamation drafted for Virgil Abloh Day. As why they're even doing this in the first place, we're told Rockford Brass feels like it's warranted considering VA's an impact on the community, you know, um, and especially the youth. The guy set a great example for citizens here. And they want to celebrate his contri uh, contributions with something legit. We're told Virgil's family was notified and thrilled with the news. But it's unclear if they even attend and, you know, for Wednesday ceremonies. But, uh, you know, like we told you, he, he uh, died over the weekend after succumbing to cancer, a disease he was battling privately for years. Uh, his passing sent shockwaves all over the uh, entertainment industry. As the man had lots of friends and influence in high places, you know, he was 41 years old. Rest in peace, you know. Uh, I'm going to celebrate December 1st as a virtual Apple Day. He was a good man. I loved his, I loved his design. You you can't even comprehend how much I loved Virgil. He's, tr he's truly, he was truly a great man. And also a pretty good entrepreneur as well, you know, stuff like that. Stuff in the entrepreneurial scene and a great designer, great artistic designer. So, um, that that's amazing. You know, that that's that's really amazing. Because you know, what's really amazing is that people, people tend to mourn. But yes, you gotta mourn. You know, it's it's part of the death process when you lose a loved one. But we also gotta celebrate his life, people. So we gotta celebrate it because. As much as we don't want for him to be gone, we gotta make the most of him, and that and that's just special. So we'll get on to the next story. Cheer on, sheet. Uh yeah. So the ex UFC star Otis Anderson allegedly shot and killed by his dad after fight over dog bite. So ex UFC uh, star football player Otis Anderson Jr. was allegedly shot and killed by his dad on Monday night. Um. It's spelled all over new police documents uh, obtained by us, in which cops say Otis Jr.'s mom, Denise Anderson, told him the whole incident as it went down. Uh, the violent altercation started after her son's girlfriend's dog had bitten Otis Anderson Jr. Uh, cops say Denise told him Otis, uh, Otis Sr. was so enraged over the bloody wound caused by a dog, he and Otis Jr. proceeded to get in a verbal altercation. Denise claimed that the two were eventually separated when she told Otis Jr. to go upstairs. A cop says then she got into a garment with Otis Sr. in which Onion Sr. flipped over a recliner, causing Otis Jr. to come back there to check his on his mom. When Otis Jr. made it back downstairs, cops say Denise told him that the father and his son got an available altercation 
and it seems like they would go into fight. I mean, it's unclear what happened next. Uh, the report was heavily redacted by police. But in the documents, cops say that when they arrived on the scene, they found Oris Jr. suffering from at least one gunshot wound to the chest. The cops also not, uh, noted on the documents the news suffering from multiple graze wounds. Um, you know, uh, jail records show they're still in custody. It, it was really bad that he do this. Or Otis Anderson Jr. was a, you know, a good, a very good football player. Like a metamedicine as forever a night. And they also said that uh, our deepest condolences go out to everyone who loved Otis. It was taken too soon and would truly be missed. And the LA Rams at Anderson Jr. was a promising young man with a bright future. Our seeking condolences are with his family during this very difficult time. Rest in peace, uh, Otis Anderson Jr., 1998 to 2001, forever a night. Uh, we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Right, Virgil Abloh, the final Louis Vuitton tribute in Miami. So, Virgil Abloh was honored by some of his closest friends, including Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, and uh, Kid Cunny, along with some fashion industry fans like North, um, Fer uh, Pharrell. Um, but, so, along with the fashion industry titans during a beautiful show in Miami, um, the Louis Vuitton runaway show titled Virgil was here, just wrapped, featuring all new looks from the brand directly inspired by the late creative director. Um, Ye, who was one of Virgil's closest friends, had a front row seat next to North, followed by Kim and Kid Cudi, who was also close to Virgil, walking as a model in the show. The show opened with the words from Virgil, talking about how he encouraged adults to create like they were children. Quavo, Farrell, uh, Gunna, Lil Baby, 21 Savage, and Joe Jonas were also in attendance. Kim posted a touching tribute to Ablo on Monday, saying, God, why doesn't make, God doesn't make mistakes. I know that, but I still can't help but ask why. Why Virgil? Why him so soon? It's simply hard to uh, understand why. I have a hard time understanding why so many pure souls were taken away so early. End quote. Um, the show wrapped with the Louis Vuitton design team, some in tears, getting a standing round of ovation from those in attendance following, uh, you know, Virgil's voice saying life is short that you can waste a day subscribing to what someone thinks you can do versus what you can do. And a beautiful fireworks show and the city is Miami as the backdrop. Virgil was here. Uh, it comes less than a week after the 41-year-old sudden and tragic death. I'm glad that they commemorated him, you know, in this. I'm very glad. And he deserves it. He was honestly a great, great person, you know. Even with the day thing, you know, that, that that's still nice. It's nice that they're commemorating. And some of his closest friends, too. You know, Kanye, Ye, I mean, you know, Kim, Kid Cudi, many more. Pharrell is there, you know. But it, it, it's been crazy. But at least there's, you know, at least there's something here to warm it up. Like I said in the last one, you got to celebrate his life. It's amazing. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, the next story for today comes from Britney Spears, um, the gas station. So, she made a pit stop during a cruise around Los Angeles, stopping at a gas station and using the restroom. Brittany was tooling around town when her white Mercedes Benz, uh, when apparently nature called and she went inside the Shell station to grab the bathroom key. As you could see here, uh, Brittany's not wearing her engagement ring from her fiancé Sam Asgari. Instead, there appears to be a different, uh, you know, band on her ring finger. Brittany also seemed to take her iPhone with her into the bathroom. Who among us you know, can't help but scroll around sitting on the toilet, you know, it, it gets really boring, you know, Chiroji, come on, you could rent me on this, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess really people used to do newspaper, but a form feels good. It feels pretty good. Yeah, it feels pretty good. Um, and it also feels like Britney's been driving more and more ever since the conservatorship ended. Uh, after 13 years, and she's definitely going out in public more than, uh, you know, before. As you know, back in the day, Britney was known to stop for bathroom breaks at various gas stations. You know, such as, like, in 2009 as well. But, uh, what's it called? Yeah, she seems to be driving more often from her conservatorship. You know, it's it's good. She's finally got a freedom that she needs. And, you know, she should, she, she should stay that way. That that's, that's really, that's really good. Uh, on to the next story, ladies and gentlemen. Chironji. So, LAX. Uh, there's a dead dog found in a trash bin. Wait, oh, dead dog? Yeah, dead dog. Let's just get on with the story. So, cops at the LAX are working a sad and gruesome case. A dead dog was found there, and someone seems to have dumped the poor pup's body into a, a trash bin. Uh, the horrific scene unfolded uh, this afternoon when airport general staff were, uh, you know, alerted by a citizen who had discovered the animal's corpse in a bin, and then the janitors alerted airport police, who told the dog, apparently a French bulldog, was stuffed inside a duffel bag that might have been the animal's carrier, worth noting that there was also a ripped luggage tag nearby. Cops are trying to figure out what happened to the dog, who placed it in a trash can bin, and luckily it's LAX, which means there are cameras almost everywhere. What thought officers are checking all available surveillance footage, uh, Sadly, we reported on way too many pets dying on airplanes, usually in cargo holds, over bins, or occasionally on a tarmac. But this is the first time we've seen a dead dog turn up this way at the airport. You know, the story's developing. We're trying to see. I want to see this person in justice now. It may take days. It may take seconds. You know, it could be after this podcast. It could take at least a year. But the police are on this. I can't believe a dog, you know. Especially in a public place like this, Really? I mean, people are crazy, man. People are really crazy. I can't believe that they did this. Yeah, but it's tragically sad, you know. Um, But yeah. We're taking a small break. We'll be right back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. The last story for tonight. Um... It is 9.38 as we're wrapping this up, so let's just get straight on. So LeBron James, uh, just tested, LeBron James just tested positive for COVID-19 and will miss several games. So, LeBron James has been placed in the NBA's health and safety protocols and will miss tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings, the league announced uh, today. The, new, the news comes just bef- hours before the Lakers set to go up against the Kings. It's unclear if 36-year-old James is COVID-19 positive, if he was a close contact or had false positive. Uh, Per the league's rules, if James is positive, he will be away from the team either for the next 10 days or until he submits at least two negative PCR uh, tests before returning. Uh, LeBron is fully vaccinated, but is probably shied away from encouraging others to get the jab. Um, Quote, we're talking about individuals, bodies, LeBron said back in September. We're not talking about something that's political or racism or police brutality. Things of that nature. We're talking about people's bodies and well-being. So I don't feel like, for me personally, that I should get involved with what other people should do for their bodies and their livelihoods. Uh, LBJ is averaging 25.8 points, uh, 5.2 rebounds, and 6.8 assists for the 11-11 Lakers. So, 
previously missed several games for the uh, season due to an AB strain. And we also got a new report that um, LeBron James tested positive for COVID-19 uh, this afternoon after using a la lateral flow test. And he was also given a follow-up PCR test to confirm the diagnosis. However, that test came back negative. Then LeBron was given a third tiebreaker, which came back positive. We're told that the team uh, chartered a private jet so Bron can fly back to Los Angeles in a safe manner. And we're also told James is currently asthmatic. LeBron is fully vaccinated. So yeah, it seems like he does have COVID-19. We hope he recovers. Me and Sharon G. Right, Sharon G? Yeah. We hope, I mean, he's he's a legend in the basketball game. We, we obviously hope he recovers. So yeah, that's basically it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been TCR, the Celebrity Report, another episode. We finished at 940, exactly, all right. So, uh, you can find me at Bobby Bob Official Instagram. You can find uh, both of us on uh, the Celebrity Report underscore IG on Instagram. And we'll see you tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, on Wednesday. Bye. Bye. <laughs>